This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, SiriusXM Channel 132 Business Radio that's powered by the Wharton School. I'm Kent Smethers, professor here in Philadelphia, and new episodes of the show premiere every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. We're still not taking live calls, but if you're looking for a fee-only advisor, you can go to my website, kentonmoney.com. So our recent Swiss re-study showed the American uh, average American household needs an additional $500,000 in life insurance coverage to meet their financial obligations following a loss of a breadwinner in the United States that amounts to $25 trillion in mortality protection gap, uh, which can certainly could uh, possess a big uh, catastrophic risk for a lot of families. My guest today is Mark Caden, who is the CEO of Fincesca. Fincesca is a trade organization representing the financial security professionals launched in September, and it stands for Financial Security for All. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Ken, thanks for having me. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Fincesca first. I mean, there's lots of trade organizations out there for representing the life insurance, uh, including uh, various uh, organizations uh, out there. What makes Fincesca different? Well, in, I think it starts with the what we're inspired by, financial security for all. So Finseca is is all about this this notion of, you know, that we're going to be we're going to be a better country, we're going to be a better people um, if we have if everybody enjoys the fruits of having financial security. So I don't, there's not another organization that has as bold and broad a vision. And, you know, we're really, what we're trying to do is bring together and unify all financial security professionals to come together to really do four things. We want to, we want to elevate the profession. You know, we don't think enough people work with an advisor. So we certainly want to elevate the profession, demystify it, make it more accessible for more consumers. So we want to elevate the profession. We want to accelerate uh, financial security outcomes for consumers, uh, that acceleration, you know, as we've seen, Kent, and I'm sure you've covered in your show many, many times that, you know, the, the, the COVID crisis, the related economic collapse has generated really challenging financial outcomes for literally millions of people. So we want to, you know, help people achieve financial security. And then we want to advocate for public policies that really, uh, produce more financial security, and then lastly, we want to educate, and that's you know, why we're so glad to be on this on this show with you, Kent. And you know, obviously, you've done a lot of work around educating your listeners, but we want to educate to empower to empower people to uh, get the advice and the products that they need and the plans they need to achieve financial security. So we we mentioned at the top of the show uh, this big gap in life insurance um, take up twenty five trillion dollars worth almost hard for people to you know imagine um, so certainly it's obvious what the risk here is I mean the risk is you know people will die who are um, not well insured and their loved ones are dependent on that uh, what is your 
theory behind you know why there is not enough take up uh, of life insurance. You know, I think it's pretty simple when it gets right down to it. I think that not enough people work with an advisor that has insurance products as part of their financial planning strategy. So, you know, as we think about, you know, and and you obviously know a lot about this, um, given all the work that you've done, but, you know, people are generally speaking, not completely comfortable, but more comfortable having conversations about investments, more converse, comfortable having conversation about where to put their money. Again, that's not that there is no comfort there, but there's on average across the society, that's an easier conversation to have. It's a lot harder for people to have a conversation to, about what happens if, you know, that's, it tends to be, you know, the, the people that I represent, you know, oftentimes they'll start the conversations talking about loved ones and families and businesses that were created and you know what happens if the breadwinner dies what happens if a key employee dies what happens if something happens and those are tough emotional conversations to have and certainly we as a society aren't often comfortable talking about money and we need to get more comfortable talking about it. Yeah. And we, we need to have the conversations about in a holistic way that, that don't just focus on sort of where the investable assets are going or what to do with the 401k, but also what happens if, uh, if, if a premature death, what's, what's that going to do to the family? Right. So what, what do Americans kind of need to know about life insurance coverage? You know, how it works, what to be looking out for. When considering a product, I mean, there's there's a, a big range of products out there. Usually, you know, f- for most fee-only financial advisors, they're recommending term unless you have a special needs child who's dependent on you for the rest of your life or serious estate planning. Uh, what is some of the characteristics you think people should be looking at? Well, I think first uh, understand the understand the risk understand the need and, and you mentioned Kent that certainly term products you know which which by definition cover you simply against the risk and simply for a period of time and so understand what what do the work as it relates to loss of income the the mortgage expenses the 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 uh, the challenges that will happen for the family or the business if you lose a, a primary breadwinner. So understanding the risk and understanding that there are term products that will cover you for a period of time uh, and that and make sure that you get enough. Most people think sort of wrongly that they have enough coverage through their employer. And the reality is, is most employers can, as you know, cover you know two or three times income. Most advisor would say you need you know six, seven, depending on where you are in your life, uh, but but having more than just the minimum that you that you have through your employer, and the other thing that people need to know is that if you change jobs, that you don't typically take that coverage with you. Yeah, I think yeah. the other piece as it relates to sort of permanent products is really about understanding that there are these permanent products. They provide savings elements to them. Uh, but and they cover death benefits just like a term product will. And those, but those savings elements, they're going to cost a little bit more for sure. But they're also going to be there in other times of need. 
And so I think just understanding the nature of the products, and I think that's the key for, for your listeners. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, when you think these permanent policies, like whole life, universal life, and so forth, it do make sense because it seems to me um, when one does the calculations, I mean, a lot of times these products get way oversold in terms of tax benefits. So it's, it's, it's often very limited effect, if in some cases, negative tax benefits from these products. Um, so I, relative to just having that term policy, I mean, the, the real question is, you know, when, when pe most people think, you know, most fee-only advisors are suggesting term as the main product, outside of having a dependent, maybe someone who's uh, a child who's dependent on you for the rest of your own natural life because of maybe a disability, or maybe some estate planning because you have a, an illiquid asset that you don't want your kids have to sell off the family business, but we're talking about a very high estate threshold. Is there, is there an argument for permanent insurance? Because those are kind of the two main cases that people think about. I think there is, Kent, because I, th I think the sort of predictable behavior of people um, this savings element, I mean, you're right, you could buy term, you could invest the difference, you could take all of that money that you could that you put in the insurance product, you could put it in an investable asset, put it in the market, see it grow over time. You know, there's there are ways that you could do that, but then that requires to people actually do it. And what we've what we've had, um, you know, as you know, the savings rate historically, it's a little better now, thank goodness. Um, but historically, over the last, you know, generation, we're in like a zero to four or 5% savings rate. And people just do not save predictably. And so what you what happens with the kind of permanent life insurance product, and there are there are products that variable products that'll let you take advantage to some degree uh, of the market, there are universal life products, there are whole life products, there are lots of different kinds of permanent life insurance products. But what I think what just about all of them have in common is the fact that there is this savings component connected to it. Some estimates would say 20% of long-term savings are connected to life insurance products. And you know what happens then when you get into, if you have all your money in the market, and then if you're, let's say, in retirement age and you have a circumstance like what happened the first several months of this year where the market in March collapse, and then the, the question is, is if you're using your savings that you have invested in the market to live on in retirement and the market goes down, you know how you take the money out of your savings is as important as how much you have in it in many instances. And so having this additional pot of savings with a life insurance product uh, that you don't have, you could smooth out the rough edges of the market volatility, that a lot of times will help. Um, and I think what we found, you know, Walt, the, one of the most famous examples was Walt Disney. Walt Disney actually used the savings in his permanent life insurance product to create Disney. And so business owners have used it to smooth out, you know, times of crisis. And so there are real advantages from a business owner perspective, from a family, 
from a savings vehicle perspective, life insurance is for everyone. I'm simply saying that it is a it's a viable product that does a lot of good for a lot of people, and that people should understand this as an option as part of their holistic financial. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I just don't think it has, you know, I, I, outside of those two use cases, I think one is paying a lot for that and where they could be saving it. And, you know, also we also the lapse rates are very high. People don't persist with these products. So if we think it's correcting some behavioral problem that they're having because they're not say, committing to saving a, a, a lot you know most of these policies are going to lapse anyway so i i'm a little suspicious of this but no i appreciate you guys trying to get the information out there um and so mark fantastic thanks so much for coming on the show we really appreciate having you on thanks ken appreciate you having me yeah yeah and it's Kent Smothers, you're listening to Your Money. And remember, you connect with me by going to my website, kentonmoney.com. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 